continuing our five-week series where we're getting some grounding of whose we are as we move forward by, God, by God's grace as his church. And as I was thinking about that this week, it is really important to know whose we are, who we belong to. I mean, a child gets lost in a supermarket. It's really important that they know who their parents are so they can get help finding them. It's really important that a husband knows that he belongs to his wife. And a wife needs to know that she belongs to her husband. Why? Because it creates a great sense of love, security, and even freedom knowing that you belong. You ever been the one last picked for teams? That's an awful position because it, it communicates that nobody really wanted you to belong. But they, you got to do something with that guy, so we'll, I guess we'll pick him. We, know, we need to know who we belong to. And, and you know this. Small towns are a double-edged sword when it comes to belonging. People treat you differently if you belong versus if you don't. And some of us have felt the latter very keenly. So here's a question. What about in the church? What about in God's church? Because there's a horrendous, horrendous, we don't even know. There's a horrendous history in the church of people in the church, God's church, not grasping what it means to belong and therefore treating others accordingly. So what does it mean to belong in the church? Are we calling people to be a part of a cult? Where people get, su- people get suckered all the time by gangs and cults because those groups love bomb someone into believing that that group cares about them. But in fact, they actually destroy them. Is that what we were inviting people to? No. No. Do we belong? And what kind of belonging is it in the church? Is this like belonging to the Rotary Club? Where we have our name on a list and do a couple things here and there? Or is this belonging, heart, soul, mind, and strength to the greatest story, with the greatest author, who, with people who are truly alive? Who do we belong to? And how do we treat those who belong? And how do we treat those who don't? That's what we hope to answer this morning, all a bunch of those questions. So would you stand with me as we hear from God this morning in his word, Acts chapter 2, verse 36. You're probably familiar with it now, but we're going to read it together, verse 36 through 47. Peter speaking, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you've crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children 
and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let me have a seat. See, our lives as those who believe in Jesus Christ and who grow in him are fundamentally shaped by who we belong to. So for you who profess this, who profess faith in Jesus, that he is your Savior, this is Scripture's call. Remember who you belong to. Remember who you belong to. And that begs the question, who do we belong to? Well, first, we who believe and grow belong to God. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. And after saying this, these people asked, what, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you. What does it mean to belong to God? That promise. We should actually spend the rest of our lives answering that question, what does it mean to belong to God? We don't have time this morning to capture all that that means. It is that amazing and incredible. But here are three. First, it means we're not our own. There's one word in this passage today that captures this reality. And we say it all the time. But the question is, do we really mean it? Do we embrace it? It's up in verse 36 where it says, God has made him Lord. We don't have that position necessarily in our culture, in our democratic republic. Lord. For us who believe and grow, for who profess faith in Christ, who are given the gift of the Holy Spirit, who are growing, it means we have a Lord. It means we have a master. It means we have a king. And we're not Him. We belong to Him and not to ourselves. And that rubs us individualists really hard. We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. No, you belong to Jesus if you trust Him. Many in our world would reject this idea of lordship of Jesus as oppressive and hierarchical. but we must remember whose we were. 
in order to better understand who we now belong to. Because Ephesians 2 verse 1 and other passages tell us that when we thought we were on our own, when we belonged to ourselves, guess what? We actually belonged to the devil who is bent on keeping God's image bearers in their sin, in their condemnation, in slavery. Does that sound like fun? Does that sound like a great idea? Is that how you want to spend your life? That's who you belong to if you think that you are on your own. But now, through faith in Christ, we belong to God. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 says, through 20 says, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. That's why we're to glorify Him. We're not our own. And secondly, it means we're loved. Because this is no just despot of the world. You were bought with a price, 1 Corinthians says. Well, what's the price by which we were bought? What is it? Well, 1 Peter 1, verse 18 through 19 says, You were ransomed, bought, in a manner of speaking, from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. This Jesus whom they crucified. And why was he crucified? 1 John, 1, verse, 1 John 4, verse 8 says, God is love. And he goes on and says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. It means we're loved. You may at times feel as though God doesn't love you or that he is holding out on his love for you. Do not believe that. Who told you when you, believe, when you think that, when you believe that, who told you that that was okay to believe that God doesn't love you? That's the whisper of the snake, not the voice of God. Remember that God has already demonstrated his love in the strongest way possible the sufficient death of His Son, to make you His own. And because God loved us so much and showed it with His Son taking our place on the cross, our belonging to God means, thirdly, that we are secure. We're not our own. We're loved and we're secure because our Lord is our shepherd, the good shepherd. John 10, verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. If God has a hold of you, and he's promised not to let you go, you can't get greater security than that. God never breaks his word. And no one can stand against him. We're secure. The one who belongs to God belongs to him forever. And this means that though we may still sin, we can still be forgiven. 
We can still, by His grace, repent because He's already done the work. It means that we are living a new identity, His identity, not our old sinful one that He has died to take away. Tim Keller writes in his book, The Reason for God, he says this, unlike either traditional or secular culture, a Christian's identity is not achieved, but received. When we ask God the Father to accept us, adopt us, unite with us, not on the basis of our performance and moral efforts, but because of Christ's, we receive a relationship with God that is a gift. It is not based on our past, present, or future attainments, but on Christ's spiritual attainments. On the cross, Jesus was treated as we deserved, so that when we believe in him, we are treated as he deserves. End quote. How is he treated? As one who belongs to God. Remember who you belong to. Now this belonging to God leads us to something spectacular. It is one of the greatest miracles that Jesus saved you and me. But it is even more amazing that Jesus does this miracle again and again and again and again. He is making an entire people who belong to God. And because we who believe and grow belong to God, we are given himself and a community of people. That leads us secondly to we who believe and grow belong to each other. Acts chapter 2 verse 44 kind of captures all this. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. We belong to each other. So here's the question. If we belong to God and those who through faith in Christ do, what does it mean to belong to, to each other? Again, we're not inviting to people to a cult or just a club. What does it mean to belong to each other? First, it means we love one another. 1 John 4, verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, and he did, we also ought to love one another. And the kind of love believers are to have for each other is that of sacrificial, selfless, other-building love. And that sounds impossible because it is impossible without God but we can do this because we're not our own. When we belong to God, we can do what he has for us. And it also says in 1 John, perfect love casts out fear. One of the ways that we love one another is we don't posture before each other. People have heard the term, you're getting ready to go into the building, put on your church face. Why do we do that? Because we're tempted to believe that we still belong to ourselves, that we need to defend our own turf, that we, have some, that we need to present to the world an image that is acceptable and lets everybody know that we've got it figured out and okay. When that's total 
garbage. Let's, church, let's commit not to posture before each other. Let's not put on a face that we are better or holier than, than we are, as if we weren't works in progress. And let us not put on a face that we are work as, as though we are worse than we are, as though Jesus Christ has done nothing in our lives. We spend so much effort trying to paint our lives like a photoshopped Instagram story or to garner pity, and we are freed in Christ not to have to do those things. We are freed in Christ to not think about how we look, but how others are in Jesus. And we should expend all that energy we, do, we, ha, we are trying to spend to, to put on a face into loving each other. And loving each other not as we think is best, or what we think that the Holy Spirit wants them to know, but that as Jesus Christ thinks best for his bride, his church, for whom he died to express his love. Because we belong to each other, we love one another. We are to love one another. And secondly, that means we are to value one another. It's hard to love anything you don't value. Put your finger in Acts chapter 2 and turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. God, through the Apostle Paul, calls the church, you're probably familiar with this, a body. We're called the body of Christ. And every part of the body is valuable. And there are different parts. God wants unity, not uniformity. So read with me verses 12 through 27. It's a little longer passage, but this is so important to hear about how God views our value and how we are to view each other's value. Verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, remember that gift of the Holy Spirit given in the call to repentance and belief? For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, to, should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it less, any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that we think less honorable, well, sorry, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. 
But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We value one another, church. And thirdly, it means we commit to each other. Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 3 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When we become a member, in two senses, when we become a member of God's universal church, and when we commit to membership in a local church that expresses this is our local family, we are saying we're committing to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace with this church. Why does Paul need to say what I quoted from Ephesians verse 4? Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 3. He says it because when you get a bunch of redeemed sinners in the same room in a local church, guess what? You're going to see someone sin. They're going to see yours. And you're going to be tempted. And they're going to be tempted to bail on each other's sanctification. There is a point at which that's allowed. But it's a long way down the road of repentance. We are to work through things together, church, because we are committed to each other. Our local church, York Ephraim, is supposed to reflect the spiritual reality of the church united in Christ across the globe and history. We belong to each other, so we commit to each other. Remember who you belong to. So what does belonging to each other look like? Well, let's give a flesh and blood picture. Can I get seven people to come up? Come on. Seven people. Thank you. Age before beauty comes. Oh, beauty is coming. <laughs> okay, we have three. Any kid? Any kids want to do it? Okay, four? Yeah, come on up here. Actually, no, 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 stay down there. It's, it's more space. More space, sorry. Get you working. Okay, so we have four and three. Great. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to form a circle holding hands. Look, this is a picture. They're united. They're committed to each other. Looks like the church, doesn't it? Well, yes and no. I think Bill's already a step ahead, isn't he? Well, yes and no, isn't it? 
This is an almost right picture of, the, of a healthy church. I didn't come up with this picture, but the truth is, is that when we get together, we almost always, when, when someone says, form a circle and hold hands, we almost always face inward. We almost always focus on it inside. So here's the question. Does a church, and this is not any fault of their own, okay? Does a church that focuses inward only align with God's purposes for her? How did these people come to belong? Our passage today, back in Acts, says, and the Lord added to their number. And how did he do that? By someone looking outward. So let's change the circle here. This can be done two ways. You can alternate people looking in and out, or you can all look out. The result's the same. How about make a circle where you all face out? Can you do it? And this is not like the buffalo protecting the little ones, okay? <laughs> where they all look out for predators. No, that's not what's going on here. Look. They're still united. They're still committed to each other. They can still check in on each other. They can still disciple each other. But where are they looking? They're looking to the harvest. They're looking to where Jesus went. Now they can see someone God brings and they can welcome them in. We who in the church, we who believe and grow. We belong to God. We belong to each other, to one another. And from those essential relationships, thirdly, we who believe and grow want others to belong. Okay, thank you guys very, very much for your help. We who believe and grow want others to belong. Let's look back at Acts chapter 2. Hopefully you saved your spot. Our relationship with God and with each other should produce in us, because this is God's heart, should produce in us a desire for others to join us. And we have to look at it this way. We would have to be the greatest haters of our neighbors, not to desire them to belong to God and to his church. But there are two questions we must ask, and here's the first. Who should we want to belong? Who should we want to belong to this, this bride of Christ, this body of Christ? Well, this passage tells us for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, verse 39, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. The promise is not just for the, us who already believe. So who is God calling to himself? That seems to be the kind of key thing here. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Well, there's some heated debate about this. But here's our takeaway for this morning. We can't fully know, so we must assume everybody. 
absolutely everybody. Jesus commands his church in Matthew 28, verse 30, verse 19. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of what? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And as you're processing this, you might think, that sounds great, Aaron, but wait, how big is everybody? Does that include the guy all tatted up with a swagger who, if you looked at him funny in the Walmart, would try to knife you? Yes, it includes him. What about my jerk neighbor who plays music too loud late at night? Yes, them too. What if they're not white and not born in Nebraska? Yes, absolutely, them too. What if they are living in sin? Weren't you before Christ called you? And what makes you so special that God would choose you and not them? God desires all people. And when we think about this, we need to remember what people are. They are not primarily their sin. They are made in God's image. He doesn't desire that sin would come live with him. He came to die to take away sin. From what? From the people who bear his image, whom he created for himself. They are people made in God's image, not merely their particular flavor of sin. And he desires all people to come to the knowledge of the truth. Is that your desire, church? You who belong to him. Is that your desire? It must be our desire. Because we no longer live for ourselves. We were bought with a price and we have his Holy Spirit in us who shapes and changes our desires. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. We as a church want men, women, and kids to belong to Jesus and his church. Even if they don't have anything in common with us except for the fact that they might be looking for Jesus and that they need to know him. So that leads to the next question. How can we welcome them? This passage tells us we can welcome them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's Peter doing here in Acts? Verse 40, it says, And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. What is he doing? He's preaching, sure, but what is preaching? It is welcoming people with the gospel of Christ. The sharing of the gospel, the telling of good news, the preaching of God's word, which proclaims Christ, is welcoming people to belong to God and his church. 
So where should that happen for us, church? One, it can happen here on our formal gatherings on Sundays. The apostles preached and taught in formal gatherings. But not everybody's a preacher. It's okay. Not everybody's an eye or foot or a hand, remember? It's better that way. Second place it can happen is in informal gatherings, like church events or small groups, better yet. People can tell the news without being a preacher. And three, it can happen as we welcome people into our lives. That's scary, isn't it? People you don't know, figuring out who you really are. What if people see that I'm not quite the Christian they think I am? Again, remember who you belong to. You don't belong to someone's opinion of you. You belong to God. So these people met. They met in in the temple, it says, verse 46, a formal gathering, but they also met in their homes. And I'm convinced that we have lost an incredible amount of gospel opportunity by closing off our dinner tables and our lives to those around us. Because the gospel is a person who came to be with us. And we must, we should open those places to those around us, including our family members. How many times, I'm right there with you, how many times have we gathered around the dinner table as a family and not talked about God at all? Who do we belong to? Who do we want our kids to belong to? Bring the gospel to them and let them in and welcome them in. And here in our formal gatherings, do we welcome people in? We are proclaiming the gospel here by God's grace. Does that gospel translate into how we welcome people into our gatherings? Have we extended an invitation to our neighbor to come with us to service? And when was the last time we did that? Or do we believe that everybody here in York is churched? Which is a lie. And some of the churched aren't Christian. We have some work to do here, church. It's okay. Me included. We are all involved in this. Every single one of you is, is part of the welcoming ministry of this church. Now we need some more focused concentration. We need some people for front door ministry, people who can shake a hand and direct people and guide people into the facility. And actually, one of the top reasons that someone stays with a particular congregation One of the top 
is because someone gave them a warm handshake and cared about them. We're also going to start a new membership process, hopefully really, really soon as we get landed in our new facility. We haven't had a membership anything for a long time. And that's where people can have the opportunity to commit to one another here at York Evangelical Free Church. It's a church. And we don't do this on our own power, so don't freak out. This is by the Holy Spirit. This is by us submitting to what He wants, because we're His. Remember who you belong to. We who believe and grow want others to belong. So who do we belong to, church? Do you see how greatly that matters for our lives as Christians, as Christians together, as Christians committed to York Evangelical Free Church? Remembering who we are shapes what we will see as important to tell each other. Remembering who we are, remembering who we belong to shapes how we treat each other. Remembering who we belong to shapes how we go about working through things when problems come. Remembering who we belong to shapes how we live in light of eternity, an eternity that will be spent with the people to whom we belong. We get to practice that here, on this side of eternal life. And remembering who we belong to and how we got to belong shapes our lives and our desires to greatly desires that greatly desire that others belong because we know how terrible it is not to belong to God and to his church and how wonderful it is to be found in God and for him to say to us you belong and for a church family to say you belong So church, remember who you belong to.